Good morning, everyone. How are you? So this Sunday is a um, kind of a special Sunday. We consider this our Candidate Sunday. Um, but as you saw today, we also had our core cadets taking part in our service. Uh, and that was very awesome to see. As we heard, um, Joseph had some dreams, right? God had placed a very strong calling on Joseph's life. And what was beautiful about this is Joseph was not hesitant to share these dreams, right? He knew it was from the Lord, it said, and he was ready to tell everyone about it. Today, what I want to do is we're going to look at uh, Joseph's full story, right, and how he dared to dream, how he dared to dream in the face of adversity, imprisonment, lies and slander, death, deception. Joseph dreamed all the way through, and he did not stop until that dream came true. Starting in the third verse of chapter 37 in Genesis, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of his brothers, so they hated him, and they could not speak to him on friendly terms. Right in those first two verses, we start to see how Joseph is favored, but even in his favor, there is this tension that dwells. His brothers saw how much love Israel had for him, and they hated him for it. And that was not going to go away anytime soon. As we see in verses 5 and 10, Joseph tells his brothers about the dreams that the Lord gave him. Again, it says in the first dream that he and his brothers were out in the fields bundling wheat and Joseph said, behold, my stock stood straight up, and all of yours bowed down to me. Now it goes on to say that his brothers hated him even more. As his favor grows, their hatred grew. In verses 10 and 11, we see an interesting observation after the second dream, when Joseph tells his family, that the stars were bowing down to him, as were the sun and the moon. And I thought it was interesting, if we listen to that, it says his brothers became jealous of him. So now we've moved from hatred to jealousy. But it also says that Israel kept the saying in mind. If we study this and we look back in Israel's life, I wonder if this has any connection to his relationship with his brother Esau. See, Israel was the younger son, and we know that he, after his mom's direction, stole the blessing from Esau. And there was always a strife between the two brothers, to the point where Israel ran away from Esau to, to take cover, to get to safety. So we see that this, this act of sin has carried through now into Joseph's life. In verses 4 and 8, we see the brothers' hatred uh, for Joseph increase. And in verse 11, we see that they are jealous. It's interesting how often when we become jealous of somebody or something they have, we start plotting how can we can get it. Right? And we take our focus off of what it is that God has for us. I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of times me growing up with three brothers my twin brother, probably most of all, always had my dad's favor. He was always the good kid. 
And I just could not, I could not forgive him for that. It took me so long to, to let it go. And in that, I missed all the beautiful things that my parents did for me to show me love, to show me favor. Unfortunately, he had what I wanted, and so everything else that was laid out before me was not good enough. So I started to seek it out in other things. What's sad to see is his brothers begin to hate him so much, they make a plot to kill Joseph. What's even more cruel than that is when they decide that they're not going to kill him, thank you to Reuben, which we'll come back to, they throw him into a pit, and it says they sat and they ate. How leisurely they were just throwing him away, knowing he would die there, nothing to drink, no food, not knowing what animals could come and find him and feed off of him. They sat and they ate their lunches. Now we mentioned Reuben, and Reuben was the eldest son of Israel. And it's very keen to notice that when the plot was made to kill him, Reuben heard this and his heart was stirred. He was the one who said, let's not kill him, let's throw him into this pit. Because see, his plan was he was going to come back and rescue Joseph out of there. But along the way, Joseph was sold into slavery, which was a very normal custom back then. When they had done this, they realized, how are we going to answer to Israel? How are we going to tell our father what happened to his favorite son? So they took that one symbolic, tangible item, that very colored tunic, and they doused it in some animal's blood and brought it back to their father, who mourned. And it said he mourned deeply for very long. They had robbed not only Joseph of his freedom and his place in their family, they had robbed their father of his beloved son. But we wouldn't see the end of Joseph. In fact, we start to see that Joseph is favored yet again. When Joseph gets to Egypt, he is sold to Potiphar, who is one of the biggest people in Egypt at the time. And Potiphar started to take notice of Joseph immediately. In fact, it says that in chapter 39, 3, Now his master saw the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Verse 4 says, So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he owned he put into his charge. He saw that the Lord was with him, and he found favor. While Joseph had much success, he would be the center of tension yet again in Potiphar's house. Everything was going great and splendid until Potiphar's wife took notice of Joseph. It says that Joseph, at 17, possibly 18 at this point, was handsome in stature and to behold. Now she began to desire Joseph. So again, we start to see that she's desiring something that doesn't belong to her. And she chases this desire to the point where she tries to set Joseph up and have, her, have him lay with her 
But again, we know that Joseph is following the Lord, that the Lord is with Joseph. In fact, it says in Psalms uh, on several occasions, those who walk in the way of the righteous will be successful in all their ways. Right? But she wouldn't let it go. And she kept pursuing him, and she kept pursuing him, until finally he says, Behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. And he finishes with, How could I do this great evil and sin against God? When Joseph says this, he tries to escape the house and leave. And Potiphar's wife grabs him by his garment. Pardon me one second. Grabs him by the garment. And she tears the garment off as he's trying to flee from her grasp. As soon as she realizes that she has this garment, this tangible, physical piece of evidence, just like the very color tunic, She screams out to the guards in the house. And she makes a bold claim, accusation against Joseph that he tried to lay with me. He tried to take advantage of me. Joseph's just constantly trying to do the right thing. He's trying to be of help to people, and yet somehow, because he has this favor, people want to steal and rob from him. Earlier we saw he was thrown in the pit because of his actions, When Potiphar arrived and he heard all that his wife had to say, he immediately had Joseph thrown into prison. No questions asked. He had forgot what he first noticed in Joseph. Maybe he forgot about what the Lord can do. Yet again, we would not see Joseph quit or give up. When Joseph was in prison, it says in verses 21 and 22, that the Lord extended his kindness to Joseph and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed Joseph and gave, him, uh, gave Joseph charge over all the prisoners. So yet again, the Lord is with Joseph. He finds favor. Now he's over all the prisoners. While in prison, we already know the story that there's two, uh, two gentlemen, one cupbearer, the other one is the baker, And they each have a dream, and they can't make sense of this dream, and they stumble upon Joseph, and Joseph says, how can I help you make sense of this? So they tell them their dreams. The cupbearer starts first, then the baker. The cupbearer gets a good report. He says that you will be released from prison, and you will be replaced into your your place of stature. You will find favor in Pharaoh's sight. When the baker hears this, he was delighted to tell his dream. So he tells Joseph everything that he envisioned. Yet his report was negative. He would be hanged by Pharaoh. Both of these came to pass. In fact, before they had actually been released, the cupbearer was so impressed that he had made a promise to Joseph that he would tell Pharaoh so that he could find favor and be released. But it didn't end there, did it? says that Joseph sat for nearly two years after the cupbearer had been released. 
See, the cupbearer got what he wanted. He was free. He had, a, he had a great position. He had everything he wanted. Yet Joseph didn't stop. His character never changed. He continued to look upon the Lord. Well, the Lord has miraculous ways of working things out, as we see. Because after those two years, Pharaoh has a dream. Two dreams, in fact. And he says, I can't make any sense of these dreams. He had called all the magicians, all the mages, all the wise men around, and yet nobody could make sense of his dreams. And it dings in the cupbearer's head. Oh my gosh. Pharaoh, there's this gentleman named Joseph. He's in the jail. He told us of, of the dreams, me and the baker, and they both came to be. Perhaps he can make sense of what it is that you're dreaming. So the Pharaoh had Joseph released from prison. And Joseph sat and listened to his dreams and gave a very accurate portrayal of what was to come. That there would be great, great bountiful harvest in the land of Egypt for seven years. But then those seven cows, the sickly ones, would eat up the, the healthy ones, meaning there would be seven years of a famine in Egypt across all the land. And it came to be. Because of this accurate description of Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph found favor in Pharaoh's sight, and he was placed over all of the people in land in Egypt. So here's this young man at 17, naive, perhaps, and excited to tell his family, God has spoken to me. God has given me a vision for what my life will be. Because of that, he is hated. He's thrown into a pit to be killed. He's accused of being, of trying to take advantage of somebody. We'll put it that way. He's then thrown into prison. Now this all comes full circle, as we know, when Joseph's brothers arrive in Egypt. They're sent down from the land of Canaan to try to seek out food. Because again, they're in a very bountiful harvest in Egypt. But Canaan was struck with a famine. And they arrive, and they do not recognize Joseph. Yet Joseph recognizes them immediately. When he's speaking to them, he says, is this all of you? And they say, no, we have a younger brother named Benjamin. But we left him behind because our father fears for his safety. See, Israel had already lost one son. And we already know how they lost that son. It was at the hands of his brothers. Sadly, Israel still did not know this truth. I'm not a parent, but my heart sinks any time Hunter tries to run out the front door. I can't imagine as a parent what that feeling would be like to lose a child. So I can understand Israel's hesitance to let go of his prized possession yet again. But Joseph tells them, you must go back and come back with him, or else I will not do you any favors. So they go back, they tell their father of everything that had been reported. And with great hesitation, he sends Benjamin. A beautiful moment happens in that transaction as well. Reuben sets up and says, Father, if anything should befall Benjamin, I will give you my two sons. You can have their life. Reuben, the oldest son, culturally, who should have been 
give him the blessing of his father. Steps in again and shows favor. Is a protector. Gives up himself to make sure that others are safe. After the brothers return with Benjamin, he sends them to Canaan again. This time with sacks full of food, the money that they had come with. But he put his silver cup into one of the brothers' sack. And he catches them before they can reach the land of Canaan. And he makes an accusation against them. What is this that you have done to me that you steal from me? His brothers trembled in fear and they say, Lord, there's, we, we did not do this. Please forgive us, absolve us of this crime, this accusation. We came with what we had, like the first time we left with what we had, but nobody stole from you. At this, Joseph breaks. He finally reveals himself to his brothers. He weeps. I imagine that would be a very overwhelming feeling. I think about it now, and I really truly have not had a conversation with my twin brother to say, I, for, I pray that you can forgive me for the way I behaved, the way I treated you because you had favor. You had something I wanted. I can't imagine what those brothers felt like to find favor and forgiveness. Joseph had the power to have them killed or thrown in prison. But he did the right thing. He followed the Lord. As we know that in the end, Joseph's brothers most certainly would bow down to him. But he didn't require that. When all of it came to a head, we see this beautiful moment where Joseph gives forgiveness to his brothers. His father finds healing. And they all come to the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh, who favors Joseph so much, says, take the best of the land and have your family live there. So on this Candidate Sunday in Corps Cadets, as God is speaking to you, remember those dreams. Remember who you are in the Lord. Remember that you are favored. But don't think for a second that because you are favored by God, that this world is not going to test you. There are folks who are going to want to come and try to steal that blessing from you. But stand firm. Stand in the face of adversity, knowing that you are a child of God. You have an inheritance that is greater than anything this world can offer. I pray that as we all sit and reflect on Joseph's life, we remember that same thing. Everyone in this building is favored. And furthermore, everyone outside of these walls is favored as well. So I would say that it is our charge as we meet each individual that comes across our path that we carry ourselves like Joseph, remembering that they have favor in the Lord, to show them forgiveness, kindness, mercy, and compassion. When we do this, like it says in Psalms, when we walk in the way of the righteousness, when we go where the Lord sends us, we say the words that God puts in our mouth, we will be successful in everything that we do. And we will inherit the best of the land. Because God cannot break who he is.
today if there's any void that you're feeling. If you look around and you think, if only I had this one more thing. If there's a neighbor that has the lawnmower that you want, the TV you want. If there's a brother or sister, I pray that you would come to the altar or that you would spend some time with God in your seat. Asking him to clear that up for you. To take the blinders off from what it is you think you need to make your life full and ask him what it is that you're lacking and to fill you with that so that you can live a life abundant, full of joy. Do not let this world rob you of your peace. Heavenly Father, today, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who loves us, Lord, that in the vastness of the desert, Lord, when we're wandering and we're lost, you favor us. Thank you through this example of Joseph, we see uh, that even when the sea is in front of us or the river is in front of us or someone is trying to take away what it is that you have for us, that you go with us, that you keep us safe, Lord. Thank you for the fact that we can see when we are following your path, there is nothing that can take away the favor that you have bestowed upon us. And Lord, I also pray that as we come to know that favor and we come to walk in that place of authority, that we remember it is all about you and we reach out our hands to others to spread that. Be with each of us, Lord. If there's anything holding us back, I pray that you would clear that up and fill that void. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.